0: 20,000 feet up Breaking all the lights on the listening to Feminist Killjoys PhD in our feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing Trump. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet?
0: You can find us everywhere. We are on iTunes. You should leave us a review, because that would be rad. We love to read them. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter... Backtrack to Facebook. We have a community page now.
1: And the official title is? Feminist Killjoys Community dash WTF Power. So we've noticed there's been a lot of people that joined, have joined our page and liked our page. Um, that's great. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, but there's a lot more fun engagement and conversation happening on the group. So be sure that you're putting in Feminist Killjoys Community, not just Feminist Killjoys PhD.
0: Thank you. Feminist. And we also have a mixtape on Spotify. Just search for Feminist Killjoys PhD. And if you have extra money and want to support feminist media laborers, we have a Patreon account and we also have a direct link to donate some cash on our website, FeministKilljoysPodcast.com. Just click on the birdie. And, uh, of course, you can always email us at fkj.phd at gmail.com.
1: Cool. So, guess what? What? We're in the same room! We're in the same room! Um, we don't even need the do to do into like a different world. It's <laughs> right here. Um, we are in Philadelphia. Uh, also, like sh- we sort of like half acidly talked about maybe doing a meetup. So I apologize. Um, and I even reached out to one of our listeners slash uh, blogger friends of the podcast who um, also support us uh, on Patreon. And they live in PA, and we were going to do a thing, and it just it just didn't work out. Um, so I'm How sorry. How would that be? Why, why would we be off our game? I I don't know. (laughs) Did something weird happen this week that we're a little off our game? I think I got my period or something. (laughs) Women, am I right? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, we're in Philadelphia together for this uh, conference. We're both um, trained in the field of communication studies uh, slash media studies slash other stuff that we do in comm studies. Um, And it's our annual conference. So, we're here in Philadelphia together. uh, And it's, you know, the conference began the day after... Um, this fucking terrible election, which we're going to talk about uh, the rest of the episode. Um, but how's your conference been going, Melody? It's been going great. I presented a paper
0: with you <laughs> on Orange is the New Black and Instagram, and we got some good feedback, and people seem to be into our analysis. Yep. And uh, saw my PhD advisor present on feminism and satire, uh, like on John Oliver and The Daily Show. So it was kind of cathartic actually Mm -hmm. to like be in a room with like-minded people and then like laugh at John Oliver for being a feminist, not laughing at him, with him him. for Mm -hmm. his feminist
1: comedy. So that was good. Cool. Yeah. I've been enjoying this conference as well. It's, um, academic conferences can be really hit and miss, but this year the theme of the conference Mm -hmm. is like civic engagement. And so there's a lot of organizers, um, in different divisions of our, of our discipline that uh, got activists from the Philadelphia area to be on the panels with, uh, the academics. Um, and there are of course people who are both, there's academics who are super big activists and organizers. So I've got, I got to see, um, two leaders in the sex worker, uh, advocacy movement, um, in Philly. I got to see the leader of the black lives matter chapter in Philadelphia. Um, Asa Khalif, who's like fucking inspiring as fuck. Um, I got to see some really incredible prison activists. Um, this one organization that fucking blew me away. That uh, listen to this. They it's a, it was a dance a, a woman of color dancer who wanted to bring dance to prison, but to people in solitary who can't have visitors. Mm. So they created a letter writing program where they they write choreography and sort of like kind of like med- it's like they do this like meditation exercise in the beginning and they write down the steps to it and then they write down the choreography steps and they send it to people yeah. in solitary communities and they ask them to write back and add to the choreography so there's literally a dance that's been done in solitary confinement by prisoners all over the fucking country that and you know the sort of end of the letter is like if if maybe it might bring you comfort to know that somebody else out there is doing the same movements as you and moving their body in the same way and feeling the same things that you're feeling and it was like and they had us do some of the movements they did, and oh, it was just, like, oh fucking man. powerful as shit. So for listeners outside of academia, this is, like, not necessarily the norm mm-hmm. to have this kind of stuff at conferences. So it's been really refreshing because as somebody who got into academia, who was an activist before they were an academic, it's, it's really important to me to see these worlds sort of com- combine. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a good conference. It's been good. And I got to see all my all my peeps from all over that I don't get to see when I'm in Boston. So that's been good. Um, We want to... Everything good with the recording? Yeah. Okay, great. I get to see oh, melodies. I,
0: I don't usually get to witness
1: <laughs> melodies like <laughs> double checking of the sound, but I'm with her IRL. So we obviously know the giant thing that's running the dinner party, but you just had an experience today of something a little... Little smaller scale, but certainly deeply connected to the overall patriarchy. Um, who's running your dinner party today?
0: No. Oh yeah, they're running the dinner party, not me. Yes. That's right, Rachel. <laughs> Guess what? Did you know? Did you know that you can't? That women's basketball shoes don't actually exist.
1: Abby, <laughs> I mean, do women even play sports?
0: No, they don't, <laughs> uh, because apparently. Uh, in Philadelphia, if you visit a Foot Locker and you go in and you say, hello, I need to purchase a pair of women's basketball shoes, they will say, we don't have them. We have men's or kids. And then you say, what? And then they say, they don't make women's basketball shoes. And then you say, yes, they do. It's on the internet, like on the Foot Locker website. And then you say, oh, sexism. And then you walk out the door. (laughs) So don't ever go to a footlocker in Philadelphia yeah. and think you're going to be able to buy women's basketball <laughs> like,
1: shoes. Like, fuck that noise. Like, what do they think women who play professional basketball wear? They don't play basketball. Oh, right. What is the... I know. I wish I was like... What even like, is women basketball? Yeah. How do those words even go together?
0: <laughs> I didn't... I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting yeah. like a 10-minute in and out. Like, I hate shopping. Like, right. I have 10 minutes. Perfect. Like, let yeah. me get some shoes. Get out of there. And so I wasn't ready. And so... Had I been ready for that, I would have, like, sat him down and, like, talked to him about what the WMDA right. is and how, like, Maya right. Moore has her own, like, shoe with right. with Nike, Air Jordans. Oh, and, uh but I was, like, couldn't even believe that that yeah. was going to be the response. Yeah. And due to this week, I'm just, like, a little on edge and have, like, no tolerance now for yeah. sexism. Totally, so totally. And there's some people that we're at the conference with that are also angry feminists and so I've been surrounded by angry feminists so yeah. I'm just like really amped Yeah. and then my partner's like texting me all the stuff that he's dealing with and so yeah yeah anyway so fuck you footlocker yeah <laughs> stupid um, sexist workers
1: yeah which again like it feels I texted Mal I was like is that does that feel too trivial to use as our ruining the dinner party and Mal was like no and I mean true it's all it's all fucking connected like the idea that Like, you can't have women's basketball shoes Mm is, like, a product of the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, fuck it. Fuck that. Um, Speaking of sexists. Guess who we elected this week? Oh, God. So, Trump. So, our country. And let's just be clear that almost 62 or something percent of the entire population didn't vote at all or voted for third parties. So, they're... We have this pie graph that shows that the majority, the popular vote of people voted for Hillary Clinton who actually voted and then a slightly less percent voted for Trump, but he won by the electoral college, but the vast majority of people actually didn't vote. So I do think that that is an encouraging thing. When we say our country voted for Trump, a actually quite small percentage of people voted for Trump, but regardless, he is our president elect and it's, horrifying and devastating. We haven't been, um, we haven't hidden the fact that we weren't super pro Hillary, but I have to say that in the midst of her loss, um, I think I feel more pro her than I have felt this entire time. I feel like I like her very much right now. Um, you know, my ability to critique her so badly was, or so harshly rather was I think from a place of really not believing that she was going to lose. And so trying to, like, think about what it was going to be like to try to, like, keep radical political momentum going under uh, another Democrat presidency when people would feel complacent. And, and so it felt important to critique her. But now it's horrifying because she lost. Um, so, so where do we want to
0: go? Sorry. Did Massachusetts vote? Did they go blue? They went blue. So we barely went blue in yeah. Minnesota, which is not normal. Right. And and so I'm actually really glad. So as listeners know, I was struggling with who to vote for all the way up until the day I voted. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of last minute, I posted something on social media and a friend I hadn't heard from in like years called me and she convinced me to vote for Hillary Clinton. Wow. Yeah. And I so I, I did. Um, and I'm so glad I did because... Our state was, like, super close to going red, yeah. which nobody nobody expected. And there was honestly no – Hillary Clinton never visited. Trump visited, like, right at the last minute for, you know, a half an hour um, because everybody thought it was just going to go blue mm-hmm. because it always has. It's very rare for political candidates um, or, you know, presidential candidates to come visit us. because, right. And so, I mean, there's just been so many – like questions as to like how the election ended up the way it did just mm-hmm. based on tradition of how things have gone in the past but you know like i was talking to seth that guy from oh yeah dude on tuesday mm-hmm. and he was like the future is female and i was like mm-hmm. i don't know man the way that this election is going nothing's making sense yeah. and things that trump says that would have gotten somebody out of the election on day one yeah is keeping him in this election yeah exactly but i did not even imagine it is truly a nightmare like yeah.
1: it is still very uh it doesn't seem like reality it doesn't it really doesn't um we both have like similar stories of when we found out like wake basically waking up in the middle of the night after staying up very late but eventually going to sleep and seeing it you on the tv and me on my phone and just really literally feeling like a movie night like a horror movie literally Um, yeah, so it's, it's a really, really scary time. Um, particularly it feels one of the first sort of points we want to bring up is that this is so triggering for women, people of color, LGBTQ people to have a man elected that so vehemently and violently discussed these particular communities, Muslim communities, women, literally a sexual assaulter and a rapist, um, to know how little uh, women, people of color, Muslim people, queer people, etc. are valued that people would actually elect a man who blatantly harms those communities. Um, Even if Hillary ultimately would have made decisions that ultimately harm those communities, she wasn't saying it out loud and so to know that people were you know we see this because literally the KKK is having a celebration rally because Trump won. I yeah. mean that's who that's who's elected. So it's going to be triggering.
0: Yeah. But also on on top of it being triggering is obviously people have been having a lot of emotions around the results and so we're recording this on a Friday mm-hmm. and so we're a couple of days out from the election and Uh, there's been some interesting conversations happening both on our community group page, but also, you know, within our social media circles about emotions and like, when can you have emotions and how you can have emotions and when we're supposed to get, get over them Mm -hmm. and, um, how people of color process things versus white people and, were kind of like in this mucky space. Um, and Rachel and I wanted to kind of talk about it because some of the stuff that we want to talk about for this episode is really rooted in our own personal anger and disgust at what happens. But there has been some critiques of specifically white people being, for a lack of better terms, like too emotional over mm-hmm. this. Um, and so there was this interesting think piece that's been – uh, been circulating and it's called on white people advertising their shock, that racism just won an election. And it's written by a woman of color. Um, and I had kind of a visceral reaction to it because I've been one of those people that has been very emotional since it happened. And I've been around a lot of other white people that have been very emotional about it. Um, and she was basically saying that, uh, well here I can read some of it. She was saying, um, liberal white people advertising your shock dot, dot, dot is a microaggression. Please stop. I get it. It's awful. It's terrifying, but we don't need to see your emotions advertised on social media. We don't need your tearful apologies. Like find a white person, you know, process your emotions and then like get over it and like process it, get over, get over it and like start doing the real work. And then also to my, you know, And then as she's saying, like, to my brown and black sisters and brothers, you know, I know we are discouraged, but we can rise up and resist. And um, I just, at first glance, I really didn't agree with this. And what was one of your, like, what was your response when I was like, I don't, this is, I don't like this article.
1: My response was that um, I actually agree with the sentiment that it's a little insulting to have white people losing their fucking shit over about the potential like harm and violence this could create in America when there are so many people who experience harm and violence in America, no matter who is president ever, um, black and Brown people, uh, trans women of color, Muslim Mm -hmm. people, um, these folks, they, they live with fear on a daily basis. It's quite possible that the Trump candidacy, as we've seen already with all the the hate crimes that have occurred in the wake of the election, um, it will likely increase. But to act like this is, you know, and, and I've said these things too, like that this is the dystopia, like to say that suggests that the world hasn't felt like a dystopia for, for marginalized people every day since fucking the beginning of the first, well, since fucking colonization of native people, if we're talking about our country. Um, so that, that I sort of get.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that makes, and then, so as you explained it, that makes a lot of sense. And when you were talking, I was thinking about how, you know, trans women of color get murdered constantly Mm -hmm. and like why we're not disgusted and throwing Mm -hmm. up and crying about that every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Exactly. Proving your point. Yeah. Um, because Trump is a symbolism of that hate, but yeah. that actual hate is materialized every day. Exactly. And so, why are we not freaking out about that? Mm-hmm. So, I get so, you know, like kind of bracketing that as like an agreement. I, I think what I am bothered by is the policing of like people's mental health. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was, I was at a protest in Philly last night and there was a white dude who just like burst out crying. You know, um, and he clearly couldn't control that, you mm-hmm. know, and I had an outburst and like people are just like depressed. And when you're like depressed, it's something that you actually can't snap out of that. You feel like you don't have control over. And mm-hmm. then so for, to tell people to like chill mm-hmm. and like to not be so full of rage, you know, like mm-hmm. I snapped on that guy at Foot Locker more than I would a week ago. Right. You know, there's clearly yeah. like some stress that we were all feeling, um, and for somebody to be like, snap out of it, process it, and move on. Yeah. Mental health doesn't really work that way. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think there's a difference between having like really internalized emotions about it and just kind of being angry to be angry. You know. Totally. I understand.
1: There's different levels, but. It, yeah. No. And I think it's also. Yeah, I think that mental health critique is really is really important, and the way that perhaps this argument from this author. It, sort of dismisses or or belittles the sort of reality of mental health. But it is also, I mean, to be fair, I mean, not to be, like, you're, like, whatever, like, what's the, like, circle C copyright white lady feminism, um, or whatever people say. Uh, Not to be, like, a white lady feminist about it, but to have, sort of, an analysis of who Trump harms, even white women who, like, want to (laughs) have control of their bodies, like they're speaking as two white women like we're also feeling um the experience that we generally even even as queer tattooed weirdo looking people like we still don't experience what it's like to feel unsafe on a daily basis the way that people of color do but to have a president that is going to make women regardless of your race or anything else Feel uns- We are feeling particularly unsafe even as women. Does this make sense? Like, it's yeah. not just, like, obviously we need to be mindful of not performing our white tears in a way if this woman is saying that it feels like microaggression, but also, like, that also kind of discounts the way that women also specifically, and again, I'm trying to backtrack and not be like, what about white ladies? I don't mean to say that. I'm just saying that another thing that he is going to try to... um Uh, Suppress is and violence is women of all everything ability to have agency and control of their bodies, yeah. But
0: yeah, but I think also some of my emotions, and I think a lot of white allies or accomplices would agree, is that we are scared for other people, and I'm scared for the people like I'm scared for the woman who wrote that, you know. And so, I'm like, I'm I like, I, I definitely am having a very defensive reaction to it, like as a white feminist, like
1: most of my emotions are actually, I'm worried about my students. I'm worried about, but I, but I think what she's saying is you should have been, and you won't yeah. have been worried about them every day, yeah. but it's like, literally this is every day for us. Yeah. So like, why are you, why are you performing your white allyship on social media? Are you, what are you looking for? I think, you know, I mean, yeah, intent, intent comes, doesn't yeah. really matter, but she's you know, I think we need to, at the end of the day, respect that, for her, people in her Facebook feed should not should try to not like post their white tears about any any you know whatever. I mean, and I think we can ag- at least agree that we can respect her personal opinion about. Oh that. yeah, guess, definitely.
0: Yeah. And I don't know who her white friends are, and I could definitely see like if you're familiar with these people, like the white people that have been angry around me are people who have been in it for the long haul right. for a long time, right? You know, and so. But if, if they are just, like, just white people who don't ever post their anger, yeah. and then all of a sudden now they're, like, super pissed and yeah. upset, I can see how that can be super annoying. And I guess it depends. I might just not be her target audience right now. And right. Like I'm taking it very personally. Because but. it can
1: also be the white people that are sad for Hillary Clinton, period. You know? Like, they're sad for a white lady. Like, they're sad that she lost. Uh, ah, yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, and it's like, okay, that's fine, but... That's not like the bigger picture question mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's emotions are complicated. Um, I think it's fair to say that white folks need to be really fucking mindful of how we like. There's a great um, piece by Mia McKenzie, who's the founder of Black Girl Dangerous, that talks about ally ally theater. So, mm-hmm. what does it mean to like perform ally like for like for accolades on your social media accounts? Um, mm. And so, just like being mindful of that, it's also like. I also was saying this like it's also like not fucking the end of the revolution if you perform allyship and like it's it's actually not making or breaking the revolution so at a certain point it becomes kind of navel-gazy and nitpicky and whatever so whatever be mindful um and and also I I think that talking about uses of emotion is something that we're really invested in I know we were just talking Melody you were at a panel today that quoted Audre Lorde. Audre Lord has an amazing essay called The Uses of Anger. And you had a quote that you wanted to share. That you wanted
0: yeah. To share. So it, she says that anger is loaded with information and energy. And the reason why I bring it up is because, you know, to add to this conversation, we were just having about emotions is that women in particular are often asked to not be angry or like mm-hmm. that was one of the, the slams against Hillary Clinton is that she was always just so angry and aggressive and SNL mocked that. Um, but like, I think to be told to like get over it and like to stop being angry, it's like, yes, thank you. As a woman, I've been told, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always seen as very brash and blunt mm-hmm. and curt because I'm a woman, even though like dudes right. have the same uh, aura of, of, them. And like, right. they don't, you know, totally. They don't get the same critiques. So I feel like if you're angry, you can be as angry as you want to for as long as you want to. I mean, I lived in, I don't think it's mentally healthy. I mean, I lived in a state of rage during the whole entire George W. Bush Mm -hmm. era and it was not fun, you know, and I Mm -hmm. have more mental health skills than I did back then. Mm -hmm. But I think there is danger in telling women to not be angry anymore, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are, um, what your background is, um, because I think anger... I come from the school of thought where like I feel like anger is productive. Totally, and I understand that there's some people who don't think that. Um, but if your primary emotion is anger right now, I know. So I mean, we've had some people in our community and outside our community um, that have been reporting that like people are telling me to stop being angry, and I'm just like, if you're still angry, you're still angry. Right. Like, yeah, you like did your work. I didn't do shit to get Hillary elected. I didn't do one phone yeah. bank. I didn't door knock. Yeah. You know, if you're upset, not only because she didn't get elected, but because this is our result, like, fuck yeah, I'd be yeah. angry. And you can be angry at me because I didn't do anything. Right. To, I had no idea that this was going to happen. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. I think, um, same. I, I echo everything you said about anger um, for the for the theory nerds that listen to this podcast because we talk about theory sometimes. Um, there's a great book called... Um, moving politics, emotion, and ACT UP and AIDS. I'm screwing up the title, but it's Deborah Gould talking about emotion (laughs) and the way that ACT UP, this AIDS organization utilized, went from turning their grief into rage and utilized that rage in order to, like, literally save lives by getting pharmaceutical companies to release drugs for people with HIV and AIDS. Um, So, uh, yeah, I totally echo all of that. Um, Just real quick to your point about I also, like, did not do anything to get Like, I did not do any canvassing or phone banking for Hillary. But what I think the bigger question here is it wasn't a lack of support for Hillary. It was a giant support of people that don't normally vote, I think, that turned out for Trump. The organizing work that I think needed to happen more than, like, love Hillary. Because, like, obviously that also failed because a lot of people didn't love Hillary. Like, that was, she was kind of a weak candidate for the Democrats. Not because she was a woman, but because of all the shit that people were able to like critique her for on multiple other levels. But and, also, I mean, we came,
0: we came off of Barack Obama, who's the most charismatic, yes. handsome person in the world.
1: <laughs> he is. Oh, I know. So, All those problems aside, I'm going to miss the shit out of him. But anyway. Yeah. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> so I'm saying, like, yes. we've gotten into this mode, which is problematic, that you have to be charismatic. And totally. that's why John Kerry didn't get elected either, yes. because he was too stick in the mud. Yep. Although overqualified. Yes. So just to add to that, that it's... Yes.
1: But point being, like, the bigger... uh, Coming from a person who doesn't engage in mainstream politics that much in general because I think the bigger picture question is, like, fighting against capitalism and white supremacy, which isn't really gonna happen from a president. Like, the bigger question is not did we phone bang bank for Hillary. The bigger question is did we try to organize racist white people in our communities to, like, not be fucking racist pieces of shit? And did we organize racist white people to realize that their oppressor is not fucking immigrants from Mexico stealing their jobs. It's fucking capitalists who won't give them jobs because they don't want to make – because they don't want to not have a yacht. Like, that's where the fucking work needs to happen, and that's why Trump got elected. Because a bunch of, like, rich white people wanted him in power, but also a bunch of poor white people wanted him in power because I think we, as white leftists – haven't done enough work to agitate the white working class to realize that their oppression, their oppressors, literally Donald Trump is their oppressor, not their ally. He's their oppressor. And that's who voted him in office. It wasn't that we didn't vote big for Hillary. It's no. Like, you know?
0: No. And people shouldn't feel guilty about that. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't do any work. It's like, it, that's fine. It's not yeah. your problem. It's a bigger issue within the DNC and yeah. the Democratic Party. Yeah. And there's plenty of theories floating around about Bernie and like how he would have energized more people. And I totally agree with that. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore because it's over and we're not like policy wonks or like political scientists. Right. So there's plenty of people out there in which you can read those like amazing critiques with numbers and data. Um, But yeah, I think, um, and we've been talking, so we've been around a lot of fellow professors. And so we've been kind of rehashing the conversations we had pre-election and there was some, because there was so much shame about being a Trump supporter, and I think, a, and I know your school's a little bit different, but in general, people were kind of hush hush in certain spaces if they were a Trump supporter. So all my all my Hillary supporters are Democrats, at least, or people who didn't like Trump. They were very vocal about it, but the people who supported Trump were very quiet, um, and so it was actually hard to tell who I needed to personally organize within my ecosystem because people were shamed into silence. And there's, I'm curious to see how this theory ends up um, about people like lying to pollsters as well, Mm -hmm. because they were so ashamed of being in support of him. Mm -hmm. Not, no, they weren't ashamed. They just knew that it was unpopular. And I think that's why we were, it was so backwards.
1: Yeah, I want to um, shout out to my partner Logan, who um, it does polling stuff and data, and um, he had a really good insight about this. He, which was also a sort of a reflection of somebody else on social media that tweeted about this. Uh, the the quote that he turned to as a sort of an explanation, it said, "People lied to the pollsters for months because we taught them that their hateful mm-hmm. opinions are shameful, but not why they are wrong. So we taught them to be embarrassed." but we didn't teach them that they were wrong and inhumane mm-hmm. for this. So I thought that was like mm-hmm. a really profound insight um, and where the crux of organizing comes in because, yeah, I mean, ooh, I hate the phrase the liberal media because the media is more fun corporations. But if we do want to talk about like the ways in which the media um, – framed under a hundred percent understandably framed Donald Trump as a joke and a racist and a sex and all the things that he is. I mean, they Mm -hmm. told the truth about him, but that then created this, this climate, what you're speaking to, where students didn't want to speak up about it. People wanted to lie to the polls, but at the end of the day inside, they were like, you know they were like i support this man yeah they were all by themselves policies. in the yeah. voting booth yeah. they could vote whoever exactly. they wanted exactly yeah yeah <laughs> so there's it's it's a it's a really um awful way to learn a lot of lessons and reminders about what it takes to create change in the world and i think you know a lot of longtime organizers and people who have been alive for longer than we have that organized throughout Nixon and Reagan and Vietnam and all, you know, civil rights and all of these, you know, things that have, that have happened. I mean, I think it's, it's a lesson they knew already, but it's, it's something that this election is reminding us and this current generation of people trying to organize for a better world, um, you know, we're, it's a wake up call, I think, you know. Yeah, of what the issues are.
0: So, what do you um like? Once we process our emotions, do you have some suggestions? I know you had some thoughts on like next steps.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I and I just I guess I I mean I want to reiterate what you, you said about all of these emotions being okay. And one of the panels, one of the papers I presented this week was about self care, and we talked about self care and in, um, Indigenous communities and the Black Panthers and ACT UP and all of these things. And and then sort of concluded talking about the need for self-care in this moment. But if you do feel the capacity and capable of next steps, um, as a person invested in like radical movement building, um, I've been reading, you know, people I respect and admire who are part of sort of like actual like revolutionary organizations who are trying to like legitimately change the structure and systems of capitalism and white supremacy, um, their advice is to, is to organize. And I think that word gets thrown around a lot. And I was sort of inculturated in activist communities. So I sort of knew that there was like, you know, there's activism, you can post it on social media, you can even go to marches and rallies, which feels like kind of work and effort. But there's that's not even it. Like that's not like the most you can do. The Mm -hmm. most you can do is actually organizing. And what that means is building a movement, a base of people that will actually sort of put their, put the risk, their comfort, their bodies to create something better. And in a capitalist system, one of the best ways to do that is to organize your workplace. So are you in a situation where you, your boss or your boss's boss, what if you live in some sort of a corporate structure, gets a shit ton of money, organize your fucking workers and demand that that boss makes less money. That literally challenges capitalism by decreasing the wage gap, by <laughs> organizing your work or fellow workers and demanding that this happens. It also means organizing your neighborhoods, um, organizing your fellow poor white people if you're a white person, organizing your fellow poor black per- people if you're a black person, and demanding um, tenants' rights, right? Demanding mm-hmm. that your landlords lower rent or like you'll literally have an entire block of apartment buildings refuse to pay rent unless the rent gets lower. These really direct militant actions that actually change or challenge structures of oppression. Um, and this can also ha- begin by going to meetings. So there's a lot of um, stuff on social media right now uh, where people want to have meetings about how to organize. So if you don't know this, if this word organize still feels like really scary and weird and new and vague... Go to a fucking meeting like it's going to be weird and scary and you're going to not know people and you're going to have to sit down by somebody you don't know and it's going to feel awkward and you're going to be scared. But we have to start somewhere and every revolution that's ever taken place has started with has happened because of organizing and it's not just spontaneous eruptions of mass protests in the streets. That's great and important, but that doesn't usually create the change. It's like the the, the organizing
0: yeah, and there's a lot of organizations that already exist too. Yeah. So it's not like you have to. Totally. it might seem a little overwhelming to totally. you know start your own movement, yeah. but whatever city that you're living in, um, if you live near a big city, I mean, there's probably a surge chapter yep. near you, which stands yep. standing up for racial justice. If you're a white person. Um, it's like the white ally accomplice uh, affinity group of Black Lives Matter. Um, and obviously there's Black Lives Matter, chapter, matter chapters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like at our various cities, there's racial justice organizations that you can be a part of. Or if you're like crazy busy right now, at least like throw in 20 bucks or whatever you yeah. can afford. Totally. Um, money always helps. And just get... Invested that way because I think sometimes it's hard to know where to plug in, and mm-hmm. I think Rachel's suggestion of like just going to a meeting, like these organizations often just have like open meetings of mm-hmm. like what should we do about policing and like what should we do about the minimum wage, and just mm-hmm. like go to one and then they will they will get you working if you're interested. Yeah. They always do calls for work yep. um, during these meetings, and you can meet people that are like minded, and um, they're just really they're really good spaces. Yep. But it is a lot of hard work. I mean, it's not as glamorous as. The movies make it out to be, you know, it's like phone calls and data <laughs> yeah. entry and like yeah. door knocking and uh, it's not easy work, yeah. but, and it seems sometimes insignificant, but if you look at these organizations and what they've managed to accomplish, all of that small, all those small pieces of work adds up to real change. Totally. Um Yeah. And so I think that is anything you can do that fights against the Trump presidency. So anything that he is (laughs) against, just work more towards. Um, And I think it'll, you know, it'll make a change. Because I think um, federal, trying to fight back the federal government is very hard. But being able to change things locally is a lot easier. Um, And even just joining like a neighborhood organization and making sure that it's not run by a bunch of like, white (laughs) assholes you know like just get involved and it seems boring and stupid but you'd be amazed at what you can change within like a neighborhood organization totally um and i think that's a lot more it just accomplishes a lot more than trying to shut down the president i mean we we have our senators and our house of representatives that are like working on that Mm -hmm. you know They have, they're doing the work that we wish we could do. That's just not where our power lies, but our power lies within our neighborhoods and our workplaces. And, um, yeah, like at your workplace, like you might want to have a. You could like organize a discussion. Yeah. You know, totally. Just have an organ, you know, like be like, I want to, you know, and if five people show up, whatever you might get some, that's other thing. You might get some pushback. Yep. Can't get, I would hope you couldn't get fired for it, but I guess if you work for a private entity, we work for colleges. And so we're
1: kind of. We have Wait. some protection, kind of, but not. I have a union, not, so yeah, I, you you're protected, you're safe. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and I just want to give a shout out to you, Mel, because you do this, you do organizing work more than anybody I know who's not an organizer by their actual profession. So you you have you could be doing a lot of other stuff in your free time, and you put the work in. So I think that's really really awesome. Um, so shout out to Melody.
0: That's why I never listen to new music cuz I'm always I'm always in the <laughs> streets right. picking up garbage and
1: <laughs> Just um, kidding.
0: I don't I don't do that. I, the white, you know, the white guy who's always, yeah. you know, like jogging <laughs> yeah, right. and like picking up the garbage. Right. That's not me.
1: <laughs> also um, important though, not making fun Also not <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, I do want to say though if that if you really feel disconnected from ability to like do sort of group organizing work Another like – so uh, fr- uh, uh, a slogan that I really rely on in the sort of like left left of center m- sort of movement in general is agitate, educate, organize. And so you could do those first two steps without ever going to a meeting and one way is maybe thinking about – thanksgiving do you have racist white people in your family um. can you agitate them and educate them and what agitate means is can you get them to see can you it's like the picture like sort of poking them and being like who's your oppressor like who why are you mad at the immigrants why are you mad at the immigrants yeah. are you mad because they're taking your jobs why aren't you mad at the capitalist who's taking money from and stealing all of this money from your labor instead of paying you a fair wage why are you mad at the immigrants why aren't, why aren't you mad at the capitalists? So agitate yeah. them, like, get them to see the the, sh- the problem and then educate them, like, hey, guess what? Like, here are some examples of how this is fucking you over and how immigrants aren't fucking you over. Here's some data. Um, you know, we talk about, we have that whole, we have our segment of ruining the dinner party for this exact reason, because that can be a moment of agitation and education. Um, organizing needs to follow, but if you don't feel capable of, of that component, um, agitate and educate.
0: Yeah, it really does, and it... It does make a difference, and I, I know this because my brothers often give me feedback about this, like, mm-hmm. when I was younger and, like, a militant vegan and mm-hmm. feminist. I still am, but, like, <laughs> not as vocal. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, they'd say some. Like, my dad got my brother a pretty sexist card for Christmas Mm -hmm. once. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. this is stupid. This is the stupidest card I've ever seen. This is, like, super sexist, and I hate it, (laughs) and it's not funny. And I, like, you know, everybody's like, you know. And, of course, they get defensive in the moment, you know. And so I've had so many moments like that in my family, right? Um, And they're all, like, they're all, like, on board in general, like, with the leftist movement. But they still have things to work. Their racism and sexism... Needs some work. Um. And so anyways, to make a, a very long history of my family short, <laughs> um, they will get defensive on you at the moment. But I just know that you will change their mode of thinking. Like, it is because, like, my brothers would all just, like, I was like, I'm never going to get through to them because they just... They just get defensive and mm-hmm. you know, but then later, many years later, they'll be like, I'm so glad that you said all that stuff to me and my dad says, You know, they really listen to you. You know, they totally but I can see them change at home and you it know, It plants
1: seeds, it really does. And we yeah, see that we see that with our students sometimes, but we don't always get to see like the long term yeah. impact. But yeah. I absolutely see that with um some members of my family. I mean my mom's always been very, like, bleeding heart liberal. She's she's great. But her, like, analysis is, like, much further left these days. Um And some other members of my family who I've, like, called out and have seen the defensiveness. But then I literally witness change in terms yeah. of how I hear them talk about women or how I, whatever. And, like, and I can see them sort of, like, pause and, like, give me a look and realize that I'm in the room and be like, oh, what did she say last time? How can I, like, change the way I talk about this woman? And, like, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it it it's hard. And... It's going to make people feel uncomfortable, but honestly, you're doing the work to make it a safer place for you and me to sit, to quote Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh MJ. Oh God. Yeah. That's Okay. Um, but yeah, like you're, you're doing important work yeah. because then when your dad goes off to like the water cooler at work, they can like, and they hear shit and then they can be like, you know, my daughter or my son said, yeah, you know. Totally. Totally. So you can, you can't make a difference with those small conversations. Started. Yeah. I wish I had a family to work on, but they're all they're all on board. We chanted Bernie at the <laughs> at Christmas at the Christmas like yeah. Bernie.
1: That's where we're at. So well, yeah. and so your work is your your students. Um and oh yeah, you live in a neighborhood that I guess is probably very woke because it's mostly people of color. Um so yeah, but you can also you know probably agitate for more politicization, perhaps, or organize for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, figure out your base. Like, are you a white person with a racist family? Cool. Start there. Are you a person of color with, uh, you know, other people of color friends who aren't particularly politicized? Cool. Start there. Like figure out your, your point of entry and do that work or, and, or join a meeting of people already doing that work and be of, be of support to that.
0: And I know some people were wondering about, how to intervene in some of these microaggressions that yep. are actually happening, and in the community section of our Facebook world, I did post this really nice com- uh, comic about how to like stop Islamophobia. But I think is the same with like sexist or totally. like trans like tr- attacks on trans people. And I'm not saying like physically violent, yep. but if you hear some stuff, I know we we never really know what to do. Yeah as bystanders you know so you want to be an active bystander but to to sum up the comic it was like just go up to the person being attacked and just like interrupt and be like isn't it so nice outside or like oh my god your scarf that's so beautiful like where'd you get that you know and just like just start a new conversation and they will clearly know what you're what you're doing yeah and I guess I mean this clearly this comic is based on like lived experiences but it makes the aggressor go away. Yeah. Um, and so the, and keeps you safer, I think, as yes, a bystander. Instead, because yeah. my gut reaction is to be like, shut the fuck up, like, get right. away from her and, like, get violent. Right. But that's actually not the best way to do it. and it puts like,
1: both of you at risk. Yeah. Yes.
0: So you're actually just supposed to go get the person that's being attacked and just change the subject yeah. and then just, like, walk them to where they yeah. need to go. Yeah. And, um, I could imagine
1: even being like, oh, there you are, Sarah. Like... I was yeah, over there. let's go. But, yeah. You know, just like pretend. Yeah,
0: um, but definitely, yeah. if you if you're hearing these things, like you know, take a deep breath and and really do say something. Yeah, because it's if it, people are feeling more validated yeah. in their racism and xenophobia and all the other horrible things that we have to deal with. Um, where yes, it has existed for a very long time, but now these people feel like they have a true voice. Yeah, um, and don't feel as afraid to be more vocal about yeah. that. And so just be able to, you know, it's scary the first time, but in my experience, the more you do it, just like anything else, it just becomes less. Um, and But also make sure that you're in a safe space and that you're not putting yourself in danger. Even a yeah. dirty look will go a long way. Totally,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, Um. well, that felt really good to, like, have constructive, generative things to say. I don't think I would have been able to have that conversation a couple days ago. No. But, yeah. Um... We are, we are working for better or worse, we are working through our emotions. I think being at the conference has been a little helpful in that regard to be around a bunch of people. Well, or,
0: we're not with our cats, which I is... not with our cats. I know. But family. I've been getting a lot
1: of pictures. Have you, has Robert yeah. been sending you pictures? Oh, he's out
0: of town as well. Oh. Oh. Well, well, now that NSA but have, knows, but, um, but... You have friends. Yeah.
1: Great. <laughs> <laughs> we're airing it after you're yeah. back home, so okay. it's fine. Um, uh, anyway. Yes. I'm uh, getting uh, pictures. Signs, yeah. Yes. Cool. All right. Do we want to say any other final things about... about this president elect.
0: Yes. I would say this is the beginning of a long time. It's going to, even if he's only around for a month or two, whatever, it's just going to feel like ages. Yeah. So I, Rachel and I would both encourage everybody to like, get like a mental health, like toolkit ready. If you don't already. So like yoga, you might want to try yoga or deep breathing. Like I was just telling Rachel, um, I've been doing a lot of like the yoga size, like these deep size that you kind of learn in yoga. It's this like, <sighs> and it like, it's just really, it feels yeah. good. And I've just been doing it on autopilot, like unconsciously, um, as like a stress reliever throughout the day. And so even something like that, or like learning how to do deep breathing. Cause I know meditation is like really hard. totally, It's a big ask, but even if you can do like some deep breathing, that would be really helpful. Um, so just getting like a mental health. You know, just start working on some stuff because you're going to need it, you know, yeah. as the news unful- unfolds about, like, who's going to be on his cabinet and
1: totally. the inauguration. And, I mean, it's just going to... It's going to, yeah. it's it's And it's already started. When we yeah. found out who was going to head the EPA was a climate skeptic, so it's yeah. great.
0: And, yeah, I mean, I feel like <sighs> we've had the same... We, I, I think we've had the same conversations to during uh within the Black Lives Matter movement to every time there's a police shooting. I mean yeah. emotions are yes. high. And so yeah. if you haven't already established a mental health toolkit, do some um, now. yeah, do totally. some now. We can totally. give you
1: some suggestions yeah. later. Um we good on that. I mean, we're not good on that, but are we done for now? I, I think know. it's good. Okay. Hope this was helpful for people. So. I hope. So, I hope so too. And we're going to be here. Join our group. we it's a it's a lovely community. I know there's a, other great communities out there too, but I hope you have some communities happen too. Um, we didn't talk about this before air, but sometimes at conferences for our RWL's component, sometimes we get like new reading recommendations. Have you gotten any new like ideas of what you want to read based on some of the panels you went to, or watch or listen to? No. Okay. <laughs> I, so here's the thing. Uh, there was, Great question, though. I know. There was a woman, uh, a woman with a sex worker outreach project who was, like, name dropping these people because she was also a women's studies major because, hey, guess what? Sex workers, like, are whole people who are also students and gender studies majors. Oh, weird. Um, she, uh, that was she, sarcasm. like, named, I she, she, she name dropped a couple authors, but, like, I couldn't quite understand their names, so that failed. So I'm going to like, try to like Google whatever find ways to find it. Um, but there was also this amazing um, woman of color, professor, black woman uh, who was telling this harrowing account, harrowing, harrowing, harrowing account of being uh, arrested for absolutely nothing just for being a black woman. And um, when the cop was like starting to harass her, cause that's what happened. Um, she like, she's like, I had to take out my earphones and she paused and she's like, I was listening to Kendrick Lamar, and, um, so it just made me want to, and I listened to, um, when I was running on the treadmill today at the gym, I was listening to Freedom Mm -hmm. and, like, getting chills and feeling. Oh, that song. I just want to, like, listen to Kendrick Lamar, like... All there yeah. right now, so that was like a reminder of what I want to listen to from the conference, and um, and we were on a panel about Black Mirror, so I want to start watching Black Mirror. Do Black Mirrors? Yeah, just not that first episode. Now you yeah. see why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> and they showed it all. I was it like, was bad, wanting to throw yeah. up just even hearing about it. So yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but what was that guy? I'm going to put you on the spot. The yeah. guy, um, so on our panel there was also this awesome dude that did something on House of Cards yeah. and how audience members who watch it, there is some um, evidence that shows that they actually do change their views on specific policies that Frank Underwood promotes in the show. Yep. What was that interesting
1: theory that he threw out? Do you remember that? Like audience, like, um, so I don't remember the name of it. It's E R O dash M or something with uh like the, like quantitative uh, acronyms, whatever. But basically what he was saying is that, um, there's, like, this scale where you, like, you don't identify, you don't agree with an issue, but if you have a level of identification with a character, character. who does agree with yes. the issue, then you're going to be persuaded to agree with the issue. So it's about identification, and they talked about how people identify with Frank Underwood, partly because of his soliloquies um, that break the fourth wall and speak, and you become a co-conspirator in his plot to become president. And this very right-leaning – I don't watch the show, but I know that Frank Underwood is a very right, right-leaning right in his in his policies – um, if you have identification with him, even if you don't agree with those policies, you're more likely to be persuaded to believe in those policies because you have identification. Um, so it's a really interesting media, uh, and I'm a little skeptical of media effects, but this one kind of sold me. Yeah. And that theory also works
0: for the stuff, kind of stuff that we do too, because we were arguing something very similar in that because the show Orange is the New Black, um, asks you to identify with the prisoners, you're yeah. more likely to buy in to the the anti-prison industrial complex narrative yep. we just didn't phrase it
1: that way because we as critical <laughs> media scholars we don't need to prove anything with models we're no. just like clearly clearly the prison industrial complex is bad right? i mean yeah. we know this because it is and then we just go on with our analysis which is why i love being a critical media scholar yeah <laughs> but you know if you want but to accept those journals right, you might have to throw some throw fancy some, terms around throw some fancy things around. ECM2N98,
0: um, yes, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, anyway, it's it's if you if you're an academic listening, we can uh post some stuff, some some fun things we found. And yeah, so that's cool. Anyway, that's it. It was fun to record in person. Yeah, well, this is great. Yay.
0: We uh can interrupt each other via eye contact now. It's true, oh, it's true. Uh-huh. Um But we'll go back to the regularly scheduled uh long awkward, distance
1: long distance programming and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Um
0: okay, so we we'll feel Power!
2: The right time to be sober Now the idiots have taken over Spreading like a social cancer Is there an answer? Mentor membership exceeding Tell me why and how are all the stupid people breeding What's it's it really elementary? The Industrial Revolution Has put the bitch on evolution Benevolent and wise are being pointed out to size, what a bummer The world keeps getting dumber Its sensitivity is standard And faith is being fancied of no reason Darwin's rolling over in his coffin The fittest starts surviving much less often Now everything seems to be reversing And it's worse than- Lost a steamer in the gene pool Now angry my mentality Is no longer the exception It's the rule And I'm starting to feel a lot like strong Heston Stranded on a private planet Apes and orangutans And ran into the ground With generals and the armies that obeyed them